Thank you, Bob and Praise Team. Let's give them another hand. Bob, you got some some soul, brother. Where'd you go? I was back there like Ray Charles, just. Look, I want to open with this statement right here. The Bible can save your life. The Bible can save your life. A guy named Leonard Wright, Leonard Knight, excuse me, World War One, carried around a small Bible in his in his pocket of his front shirt. Interestingly, it was get, uh, it was given to him by the president. But he, he was shot in the chest, and what saved his life was that Bible. And the bullet stopped 50 pages from the end. And the family, I think it's so cool, the family still has that Bible with the bullet still in it. They show, they show everybody. World War II, a guy named John Phillips, he, he was alive up until, you know, a few years ago. In the uh, infamous Battle of the Bulge, him and his fellow soldiers encountered an ambush by Germany. And John was shot five times. And the shot that would have killed him was stopped by the Bible he carried on him. And he lived through that, and he, he literally carried that Bible around everywhere he went. And it had his blood all in it, and it was, you know, you could see where the bullet had went through. And he shared his story of how the Bible saved his life. So, look, the, the, the Bible can save your life. I know for... These guys, and I started looking this up, and you wouldn't believe all the stories out there that something like this has happened, where it's literal. I mean, but you see, for the world, if you read God's Word, eventually you will run into the Word. Eventually you'll run into the Word, Jesus Christ, the Savior. You know, we started this series, and I wanted to show you, I wanted us to really see how God's Word is just different. It's, a, it's alive and active, is what Hebrews tells us. Alive and active. There is nothing else like it, and there is nothing else that can do the things that it does. There is nothing else that can lead you to salvation. There is nothing else that can lead you to life. God's Word is living. That means there's life in it. That means it presents life to you. That life is found in not just the words of God, but through the word Jesus Christ. I love 2 Timothy 3.15. Paul writes this to Timothy to encourage him. He says, how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. You see? God's word leads to life through Christ. Now, what does it mean to be saved? Salvation. Actually, that is a very tough word to explain to somebody, especially when they don't understand that they need to be saved, right? Maybe they're comfortable 
Maybe they don't feel any danger or anything like that. You see, God's Word also presents salvation as more of an idea of restoring a relationship with God. I like how the Bible uses adoption, adopted into God's family. You see, when I was saved very young, I gave my life to the Lord very young. And look, um, this, this is just the way it was when I was growing up. There was a lot of preaching about hell. Okay? And there's nothing wrong with that at all. And I believed in Jesus. But look, I wanted to be saved from hell. Maybe that's you. Nothing wrong with that. The flip side of that, and here's where this might really help you explain the gospel to someone else, is not what you're saved from, but what you're saved to. Like, you, all right, somebody that don't realize their own sin to that degree, look, you, they're not going to understand salvation from that point of view. But what you can say is, look, we don't have a relationship with God right now. Because of sin, we've been separated from a relationship with God. You are distant from God. You are missing out. There's, there's really no life in you. You see, when we see salvation as being saved into God's family, it looks much different. And that relationship with God, that restoration with God, the creator of the universe, you can have that, but it's only through faith in Jesus Christ. You see, well, what does faith in Jesus mean? Today's verse, what we've been doing in this series is we wanted to hear from you about what, your, uh, what is your favorite Bible verse. Like, what is your favorite section of Scripture? And this one is Romans 10, 9. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be saved. Um, that might not be, like, your favorite verse when, when I mention that, but that is the most important verse for everyone, for everyone. Two things in this section of Scripture. This one verse, if you will, I like all of it. If, if you read Romans 10, beginning at verse 7, and go down to verse 13, man, it, it's just so important. It, it not only tells you how to be saved, but it tells you who can be saved. And Romans 10, 13 says this, everyone, everyone, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How encouraging is that? To know that no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter how many mistakes you've made in your life, no matter how bad you think you are, no matter how bad others say you are, you can be saved. Such an important section of Scripture. The person that sent this in said it gave them hope. Gave them hope. To know that no matter who you are or what you've done, you can be saved. And you can be saved today. If you do not have that relationship with God, you can be saved into that relationship with God today through faith in Jesus Christ. Okay. Well, what does faith in Jesus look like? Um, I want to spend the rest of our time together, and I'm not going to be up here very long. But it says, declare with your mouth. That's not just saying words. You see, it's belief in Jesus and who, who he is. Jesus is Lord there. That word Lord is the Greek word for the Hebrew word for God, which is Yahweh. That's so significant here in the New Testament. There's nothing greater than you. 
Lord. You are it. You are God. And I'm, I'm surrendering my life to you. And you believe in what he's done. In other words, if you believe in your heart, God has raised him from the dead. What Paul is saying there is that, yeah, I believe that Jesus is Yahweh. He is Lord. And he was crucified on the cross for my sin. And he was resurrected again to new life. And I believe that. It's not just words that you say with your mouth, but it's something that you believe in your heart. It's inside of your heart. And I don't know if you've ever been frustrated with trying to explain salvation to somebody. I've experienced it a lot here, especially recently. And even with my own daughter over, over, over a couple of years and even a couple of months of, of talking with her and praying with her through it, and she was getting frustrated. And she said, I don't know what to say. And I said, don't get caught up in that. I would read the word to her, and I would say, tell me what is in your heart. She said, I believe in Jesus. I believe he died on the cross. I believe he rose. Don't, you just don't get caught up in the technicality of it. Sometimes we complicate things too much, and what Romans 10, 9 does is it frees us from that. It's so simple. Belief comes from the heart. Romans 10, 8, which comes before Romans 10, 9. The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. What's in your heart? Just What are you feeling? What are you thinking? What do you believe about Jesus? Who is he? What did he do for you? See, saving faith is as close as your hands and your heart. It's not way far off. It's not hard to get. It's right there. It's very simple. And what does faith in Jesus look like? What, is it, what does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to follow Jesus? To uh, go along with this series, we, again, we want to really emphasize all of God's Word, right? It's powerful. It's living, it's active, and there's a lot there. God's Word says a lot about salvation and a lot about following Jesus and a lot about the Christian life, okay? You see, it's not just a one-time thing. It is a life transformation, and it is a lifelong commitment, right? So I want to share with you three words, and I think these three words summarize the Christian life. First of all, there's a decision. There's a decision, and that's what Romans 10, 9 gets at. And this is a personal decision for you. Nobody else can make this decision for you. God is a very personal God. That's why the Bible refers to him as Father. Who is Jesus to you? What do you believe about Jesus? What do you believe Jesus has done? What is in your heart? You see, it starts with a decision. God wants you to make that decision. He won't force you to at all. It's your choice. What do you believe about him? Jesus would ask that question so many times. What do you believe? Who do you say that I am? Nobody else can make that decision for you. That's the single most 
important decision you will ever make in your life. Who is Jesus? What did he do? Next, there's a demonstration. Demonstration. Real faith is always demonstrated. When you look at the Bible, it's always demonstrated. That faith that begins on the outside is to be, on the inside is to be shown on the outside. <clears throat> this made me think of Romans 5, 8. God demonstrates his love for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know what? I'm glad that God demonstrated his love and didn't just say, I love you. Aren't you? I mean, yeah, God, thank you for telling me that you love me. Like, that means a lot. But you demonstrated that love for me through your son, Jesus. I don't have words for that. Yeah, you, you people that are, you folks that are married, hey, I'm glad that you tell your spouse you love them. That means a lot, I'm sure. But showing them that you love them, there's not words for that. You see, the type of faith, the change in the heart that is transformed through God, man, wants to demonstrate faith. Wants to. And almost has no choice to. Like it's that, it's, it's the, it's that powerful. Look, um, <clears throat> demonstrating your faith believes, uh, begins with baptism. Baptism, what we did today. And you may, may have heard this referred to as believer's baptism, and that's for a reason. This baptism takes place after the person believes in Jesus. <clears throat> right? Like it, it's, it doesn't really do any good if the person does not believe in Jesus Christ. That's why we call it believer's baptism. And baptism is symbolic of so, so many things. It's a proclamation of your faith, right? In front of people. Like, I'm not ashamed. I want people to know who I believe. But it's also a symbol of your faith. It's the symbol of Jesus washing away your sins. It's a symbol of you going under and coming up and raising to new life. Like Jesus went into the ground and rose to new life. That's what it's symbolic of. But it's also this, and Peter gets to this in his writings too. It's a pledge. It's a pledge. It's a commitment. It's a dedication. Like, when you get married, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, I've, I've met the one. I know. I love her. I asked her to marry me. She said yes, right? How would you feel marrying somebody that said, I don't really want to have a wedding. I don't want anybody to know about it. Would you, would you still marry that person? Demonstration. This is all throughout the Bible, folks. I was amazed at how many times I read this. Old Testament, New Testament. In the Old Testament, it was different things. But there was always a demonstration of that faith. And then we get into the New Testament, and it continues, and, and it's really, really close to the proclamation of faith, to the, to the belief in Jesus, and then they were baptized, like immediately. <laughs> it, it represents submit, submission. So we don't really understand the full importance of saying Jesus is Lord. 
you're saying Jesus is Yahweh. Jesus is God. And in baptism, you are submitting and surrendering your life to God. I give up, God. My life is yours. Third thing, there's devotion. Devotion. You see, a genuine belief on the inside will lead to transformation. I mean, look, there's a change. It's different. There's something different about this person. There's something different about this person's life and the way they live. Like, I remember that person from 5, 10, 20 years ago. That's not the same person, right? It's a devotion, a change that takes place. Paul says, you are a new creation in Christ. The old is out of here. The new has come. That's what he says. New way of living, a dedication, a devotion to the Lord, to your faith for the rest of your life. That's what it means. Those three things sum up the Christian life. I want to share with you real quick two stories where we see all these three things play out. First of all is with a Philippian jailer. Okay, the area of Philippi during Jesus' time was still under the Roman Empire. And Paul and Silas were in prison for sharing Jesus. And so there's this guy who is responsible. His charge was for keeping the prisoners in prison, right? He was sort of over the whole thing. You could say this guy was the enemy of Christians, all right? Um, so Paul and Silas were in prison. They were praying in prison, they were worshiping and singing hymns to God in prison, right? And then the Bible says an earthquake happened, huge earthquake. The prison shook. It says all, look, when God shows up, great things happen. All of the prison doors flew open, not just Paul and Silas's. All of the prison doors flew open. And all of the shackles fell off. Not just Paul and Silas's, all of them. And they were sitting there. And this guy's freaking out. And, and, and he's ready to kill himself because he, he just knows that he is going to be blamed for this. He knows that he is going to face judgment. And it's, <clears throat> so it doesn't make sense, right? If he's afraid of death, why would he kill himself? Right? It was more than that. See, if this guy would have been found guilty, they would have made his family's life miserable. Now he runs in, Acts 16, verse 29. The jailer called for the lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. You see, Paul yelled out and said, look, don't, don't kill yourself. We're here. We're not going anywhere. You see, this guy wasn't, he wasn't afraid of death. But do you understand that he had never seen God show up like this in his life? This earthquake, this miracle of all the chains breaking loose, he's more afraid of that than he is of death. He's more in awe of God than he is in awe of his supervisor or Caesar or whoever. And he says, how can I have that? How can I be a, how can I be a part of that? How can I be 
saved. You see, there's this desire, there's this longing for something else. There's a longing for God here. You know, it's not always about fearing going to hell, but when you see something miraculous and you see something supernatural and you see the power of God, don't you want to be a part of that? Don't you want to see God do the shake the earth for your life? Don't you want to see God loosen the chains of your life? I want to be a part of that. What do I need to do? <laughs> Verse 31. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You'll be saved. You believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And notice this. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in the house. You see, belief in Jesus, speaking the words of God can save your life. This guy believed. So did his whole family. Verse 33, at that hour of the night, the jailer took them, washed their wounds. Notice this. And immediately he and all his household were baptized. You see, there's the decision. All right, what am I going to do? What do I believe here? Then there's the demonstration. Look, I believe this. Now I'm changed. Now I'm going to, to make my faith known. Notice verse 34. The jailer brought them into his house. A, a former enemy, you could say of these guys who held him in prison now welcomed the prisoners into his own home. He set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God. He and his whole household. What an amazing story that is. Here's this guy who just wants to keep them in prison and he goes from that to being changed, and then he's washing their wounds. He's serving them. He's changed. There's a devotion there. His whole family's changed. And there's joy in his life. Not fear, not worry, not sadness, not anger. Joy for him and his whole household. And it started with the, his decision, his faith in Jesus Christ. Last story I want to share with you is about Paul himself. Before Paul, his name was Saul. And if there was an enemy of the gospel out there, it was this guy. And interestingly, he wrote Romans who said, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'm sure when he wrote that, in the back of his mind, he's thinking, if I can be saved, anybody can. He was persecuting the, the Christian church. He was an enemy of the gospel. He thought Jesus was crazy. He just wanted rid of it. He wanted it all to end. And he didn't just do this in and around Jerusalem. It was his idea to go to Syria to squash it out. It had already started to trickle and to spread there. Paul said, look, give me permission to go all the way to Syria so that I can squash it there. He's a madman. Zealous. On his way there, it says this, verse 6, Acts 22. About noon, as I came near Damascus, suddenly a bright light from heaven flashed around me. I fell to the ground and heard a voice say to me, Saul, Saul, why do you 
persecute me. Uh, so Paul literally was, was riding on a road to Damascus in Syria when he was met by the Lord, when he was met by Jesus, and he was knocked on his behind. He was knocked down. This guy that was full of pride, full of power, full of anger, full of arrogance, was just stopped in his tracks. Right then and right there. Now verse 8. Who are you, Lord? Who are you, Lord? First time Paul has ever used that word. Paul was a Jew. Very religious. He was a Pharisee. Using this word here in this moment, he could have been stoned. That whole, hey, don't take the Lord's name in vain thing. Like they lived by that. Who are you, Lord? I'm Jesus. Hey, just in case, like you can throw anybody's name in there for Lord. Not just, I'm Jesus of that, like I'm that Jesus. I'm Jesus, whom you're persecuting. Notice verse 10, okay? Saul knows who he is. What shall I do, Lord? You see the surrender there? You see the faith? He's heard the name of Jesus. He's called him Lord. That's the belief. There's no technical formula for it, right? There's no repeat after me these exact words. No, it's who are you, Lord? I believe you. Like in, a, in a moment, like I'm, I'm, I'm surrendering to that, to that belief in my heart. And I'm lowering my life down to your will, to who you are. You are awesome. You are amazing. He's not thinking about death. He's thinking about, I, I want to be a part of you. I want to be with you. <laughs> Jesus said, go see this guy named Ananias. Go on in to Damascus. He's waiting on you there. I've already talked to him. All right, so Paul, Saul gets up. Go see, go see Ananias. Paul's, Saul is blinded, by the way, for three days uh, because of his encounter with Jesus. When he meets Ananias, he says this. Then he said, the God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and to hear words, words from his mouth you will be his witness to all people of what you have seen and heard. Wow, what a, what a life change here. Saul's name would be changed to, to Paul, a complete and total transformation. Instead of persecuting the gospel of Jesus, he would go on to spread the gospel of Jesus like a wildfire. As a matter of fact, he spread it much faster than he persecuted it. A decision. Who are you, Lord? 
a demonstration of submission. He would go on to do this, live a devoted life. Notice verse 16. <laughs> Ananias didn't sugarcoat this. What are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, wash your sins away, calling on his name. Isn't that good? I kept thinking over and over again, this guy who was so arrogant, so prideful, the Jew's Jew is what he refers to himself as. This guy who would have kept every religious law, would have been morally and ceremonially clean. He could have said, no, you're crazy, I'm not getting baptized. He did. He did. He made a decision. He demonstrated his faith through baptism, and then he devoted his life to serving the Lord. You see, all throughout Scripture, this is evident. You decide who Jesus is. You demonstrate what's in your heart. You demonstrate that faith. And you devote your life serving and obeying him. I want to bring us to a close. Do you need to make a decision today? Do you need to make a decision? Who is Jesus to you? What has he done for you? You see, without that decision, there's no salvation. There's no there's no life. There's no forgiveness. That decision is yours and yours alone to make, and it's so simple, it's so easy. Believe in your heart. Jesus was crucified and raised from the dead for you. Declare with your mouth that he is Lord. God, you're it. surrender you will be saved do you need to make that decision do you need to be baptized I feel like over a few decades now we've sort of lessened how important Baptism is, right? If you look at God's word, it's very important. It's how you demonstrate your faith. It's your pledge to the Lord. One of the last things Jesus would say is this. Matthew 28, 19. Go and make disciples. Disciples. You see, there's the decision. Disciple is a follower of Jesus. Go and make disciples. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. There's the demonstration. 
teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. There's the devotion. See, even the Lord Jesus emphasized how important baptism is. If that's you, will you do that? Will you do that? The Lord commanded it. He he demonstrated it for us. The following. And what about everyone else? You might be a believer. You might have been baptized. Are you devoted? Are you devoted? You see, every one of us struggle with faith. Every one of us slip and fall sometimes. Every one of us strays. Maybe we need to get back to where it started. And where did it start? The heart. What do you believe about Jesus? What did he do for you? And just ask God to rekindle the fire within us. That childlike faith that was so amazing in the beginning. When we realized that God was real and that we could have a relationship with him. And that he died for you and for me and he rose again so that Look, I could have a new life, not just now, but for forever. Where's your heart at today? What's in your heart today, right now? John seven thirty eight. whoever believes in me, is that you? Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. What's flowing out of your heart, or is it all dried up? And I can always tell after a hard rain behind the house now. we got this spring, and man, it flows, and you can hear it, and it's just amazing. The change in your heart that took place when the Lord saved you. How did that affect you? What flows from your heart now? Is it overflowing? Spilling over? Is life spilling from your life should be should be your life counts proverbs 27 19 i want to end with this as water reflects the face so one's life reflects the heart is your life reflecting what god's done in your heart or not see all of us need We still need the Lord, don't we? We still need the Lord to save us. We still need the Lord to forgive us. We still need the Lord to be merciful and show us grace each and every day. New life. I want to ask uh, the praise team, Bob and the praise team, come up. And Chad's going to come up too. They're going to lead us in a song, and Chad and myself will be up front. And here's the thing. Uh, You've got a decision to make. Why not make it now? Come and give your life to the Lord. We will pray with you. 
if you want to be baptized, the water's still here. And it's kind of warm today. But in God's word, like there's not this separation of time between your decision and your baptism. Would you demonstrate your faith today? Would you be willing to? We even went and got clothes. We got shirts and sweatpants and towels and everything. How glorified would God be today if you did that? And I understand if you want family to be here to celebrate with you, look, I get that. We can do it next week. Still come let us know. And look, finally, if, if you feel like, you know, you're just, your life's out of whack or out of position here and, and, and your heart has sort of calloused over, the Bible tells us, too, that that can happen, that our hearts can begin to harden. If you need prayer today, we'll be up here. You can, you can surrender your life to the Lord.